Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, Minor Nation? I'm Anthony Salome, and I am live with the one and only Alex Nicholas, who comes to us from Austin, Texas, getting ready to report. It is the eve of the eve of the UTEP Minor Showdown with the Texas Longhorns, number 11 ranked team in the nation this Saturday. Alex, what's going on, man? How are things out there in Austin? Uh, it's humid as hell, man. Let me just say that. Opened up, man. And normally I'm shouting out Austin. So what's up, EP? Back home, man. Out here in this humid tundra nice that is Austin, cool. Texas. It's nice and cool yeah, over here. Get... Got a little bit of rain the last few days. It's just, it's nice. It's nice. But we got a big show planned for y'all. We're going to be talking a whole lot of UTEP football. Probably won't dip into basketball because I was talking to Alex earlier. He's been having a good day, so we don't need to go there today. But uh, <laughs> we got plenty of UTEP football to talk about. We'll be discussing the uh, Miners game against the Aggies last week. Uh, and, of course, the game coming up against the Longhorns on Saturday. We'll be talking to Mike Roach of Hornsports.com, which is the USA Today affiliate that covers Texas Longhorn sports. And uh, got a whole lot planned. So I'll go ahead, man. Let's kick it off. Uh, yeah, also got our call-in number, and we want to hear from you guys. 347-934-0951 to call-in number. Hit us up on the comment thread, add us on Twitter, or at SBNMinorush at gmail.com. And so we got finally got some football to talk about, man, and we, and we got a chance to, to finally debut the 2016 Miners. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of different opinions about this game. Uh, you know, you see some that are really, really high on the Miners. You got some that are, you know, that, that are really kind of critiquing what happened. You know, what? Let me let's hear your text first off, Anthony, because I know there was some things that were impressive to you, and there was some things that you you weren't really happy with. But I feel that things that they, they can improve towards the end of the year. No doubt about it. Um, I think you know to start. I think we're a little bit on different ends of the spectrum here because I know I saw the write up that you did. I was actually working on one of my own, and and I was and I told you about it, and I was so. You know, I was so caught up in it and, and reading it back to myself that I kind of almost felt like I was coming off as a hater. And, and if there's one thing that I am not, it's a hater of YouTube. Athletics. So I just I scrapped it. But, yeah, I, I'm definitely one that's critical of a lot of things that happened on Saturday. Some of the bigger things, uh, one of them to start, um, obviously, Zach Greenlee. Um, the guy had, as far as for this UTEP offense, what I would consider great numbers, you know, 15 to 27 passing 240 yards or whatever it was, three touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean, you will take that day in and day out from, from a quarterback that is running this offense, this, this, this Matt no and Sean Cooley offense. So I can't complain about the numbers. Now, what, what I had, the issues that I had, and this was before I even realized that he was hurt, was one, his durability. You know, I wasn't sure if there were any issues coming into the season, if there were anything in off season, in, in fall ball, anything that happened. You know, there were a couple plays where I noticed because he didn't, he got some pressure, but he didn't seem to get hit too much. I know he got sacked one time deep in our own territory, and and that one play in particular, he did come off, and he was actually atten- attended to by the trainers on his shoulder, and and so I noticed a couple times where he did come off uncomfortable, on his face, looking like he had been banged up, and of course it's it, it's a physical sport, so you're gonna get banged up. But I just didn't know if they were just, you know, hits that, that he had taken and, and they were just those hits that, that got him hurt or if it was something else that were kind of not uh, – that's not known to us. Um, now, I was focusing more on his shoulder because that's what I saw come to find out. It's actually his knee that got banged up, and that's why he's going to be out for the, at least this week, if not next week as well. Um, 
But that was one of my questions. Is, is, is he, is he going to be durable enough to make it through this entire season? I know looking back at Fresno, I believe he had some injury issues back there as well. It's, it's hard to be critical of a guy for getting injured. I mean, I'm not trying to be critical of him. I'm just trying to pointing out what I saw. And, and that was one of those things. Another thing is, is that he didn't seem to be too comfortable in the pocket when he was pressured. It almost seemed like he didn't know where to go with the football when that pressure did come. And a, and a third thing that I saw, and that's something that I mentioned to you early on in the game, um, was he seemed to be missing some of his spots. Some of his throws just seemed a little bit off. Now, it could just be rust. Oh, yeah. It's the first game of the season. A lot of, everybody's rusty. That could be it. But it was just some of those things that, that kind of concern me about Zach Greenlee. I mean, what do you think about those? I've got more to get to, but I want to know what you think about those. Yeah, no, that's really spot on. And that's something that I, that I talked with Zach with after the game, and I really felt – and I got really good answers from him. And the first one was about the timing. And that he mentioned about him working the pocket better. He really could have. Like you said, there was a couple of times where he bailed or the – big thing that I noticed is that he was throwing off his back foot a lot. You know, it, it, it's one thing to kind of get happy feet and, and to, to escape the pocket and throw in there and pass. But what I saw with Greenlee Moore was definitely forcing off his back foot. And I think that's where he was saying when he's talking about, uh, you know, working that pocket better. Another thing was the timing. There was a big time instance. And, and this play, I think, could be a bread and butter play for UTEP. UTEP actually lined, lined up a, an offensive tackle. It was Jerome Daniels lined up in the slot. It was a trips formation to the right. And Greenlee pump faked that way, and he had Tyler Batson wide open. It would look like a, just a seam mm-hmm. route up the middle, one-on-one, and he missed Batson. And that right there was that timing. And that was a play that stood out to me not only during the post game, but when I went back and watched the game myself. And he mentioned timing is something that he's got to work on. And that so everything that you touched on was definitely – you touched on was spot on. And it's something that, that I, when I asked him the question, he brought up both of those things. So that is encouraging – because, and I think that goes back to what we've been talking about with this guy, his experience. I mean, you know, this is a guy that's been worked with the top quarterbacks in the nation with the Elite 11. He knows what, he knows his mistakes, and, and he didn't even watch film. And, and that was my particular question. Was, I know you haven't watched film, Zach, but, you know, it seemed like there was two things that you really needed to work on. He went right into it without hesitation. So that's positive going forward. The negativity is now that he's out, and, you, and you're right. The, those durability, I didn't even see where he turned up that knee. I didn't even know. I, I didn't even know that he was injured until somebody had tweeted at us. I mean, you he know that, the that, game, so that was all. Yeah, and and, that, and 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 not only that, but I mean, that, you got to give him a little courage as well for for going through that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I saw when when he hurt his finger that last one, and man, he you know he pulled himself. It, it seems like he thought about it that, you know, can I go? And then he pulled himself out immediately. And not only that, but I heard that there was people that talk on message board that he was screaming at the training staff to let him back in the game. So you, that's good. That, that's good as far as chemistry. That's good of, of the intangibles. But, I mean, those questions that you're posing are legit. And I think we're going to see a better Zach Greenlee as, as the season goes on because he showed that he can make throws. He showed that he can stand in the pocket, but that consistency, that's something that I really, really wanted to talk to Brent Peace today. We weren't able to get him on the show today. We really were pushing that because – that's a big thing that Peace pushes the consistency, and I thought that's something that while Greenlee was had great numbers, but that lack of, that consistency left maybe 50 to 60 yards on the field and maybe two or three more touchdowns, which would have been a ridiculous number for a UTEP quarterback. Definitely, you know, and switch sides of the ball going over to the defense. I know this is something that you would definitely have to say about. Um, my, my next concern was about the defensive line and, and our inability to get pressure on Tyler Rogers. That was something that we coming into this I mean again first game jitters whatever we can get them out potentially continue to improve it and we'll find that but I think this is something that coming into the New Mexico State game we thought we would be able to do 
We weren't able to, to, to get a single sack on him. Rarely were we able to lay a hand on him. Um, now, granted, he only went 17-1, so it wasn't like he torched us. But there was a point in the third quarter when things did kind of get a little testy there um, where he was eating us up, you know, down over the middle, just finding the holes in the zone. And it was a lot of it was due to the fact that we weren't able to get any pressure on him. Aside from that, we weren't able to keep him. When we were getting upfield, uh, it, it seemed like he leave the pocket and he would do it right away. He'd just take off, run. In fact, I think he was the lead rusher as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but that, he that was. lack of production from the defensive line is another concern of mine, especially heading into a huge game like against the team that is going to be as physical and as big as anybody that we're going to see opposite them on the line, you know, all season long. So what do you think about that defensive line? What did you take away from it? You know, the, it's 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 great that you're saying defensive line because the miners. I don't know the high percentage. I didn't. I watched the first half of the game. I didn't get to watch the second half, but they dropped a a whole bunch in that game, and that's where you see Tyler Rogers went 17 of 41, wherever it was. But you're 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 right when we're talking about pass rush. You know, you can get kind of constricted in the three four because you want to add in those linebackers. Me personally, as I'm growing growing into learning how to cover and talk about a three four, I'm thinking more linebackers. But you hit it right in the head because those three guys up front for UTEP just did not get any type of any type of havoc. The only time we would flush Rogers out of the pockets when we would send Dante uh, Levilet Levilet when we would send that middle linebacker or a couple times when we were particularly that I noticed right in the goal line area when when we had them back on the goal line twice we would send safety our corner blitzes would need them one time in Beverly early in the first quarter that he almost got that that safety and so that was the only time we were able to generate any sort of pass rushes when we're sending a linebacker via backside via twist off of a off of a blitz or off of of a a normal stunt from a defensive lineman and I think that that's what we knew that we were going to get but we need those guys up those three those three man front we need them to be able to get off the blocks I think that was a really big deal it's not the fact that they weren't getting off the ball just New Mexico State offensive line did a great job and we got to find some type of speed the big thing that 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 we're looking at right now is UTEP is down a man Tiano Valela the true freshman he's the guy that was supposed to be kind of plugged in the middle where you can kind of move out a Sky Logan but we didn't see that Mike Soda had a rough time Uh, Brian Mad Dog on the other edge kind of had a rough time getting off blocks that was my big takeaways we did have trouble getting off blocks and like I said the only time we seemed to it, it wasn't much really much pressure it was like you talk about we're able to flush Rogers out of the pocket where he was able to run and either get a first down or make the next down manageable is when we're sending blitzes. So these guys really, and, and, and that part lays big time into this game because, you know, we'll get into it, but it, you figure UTEP's going to drop eight a lot in this game and try not to get beat with that deep ball. Can these guys, can a Mike Soda, can a Geno Breslin, can these guys get that type of production where you're not having to send Alvin Jones consistently or Dante LaViolette consistently or give up your edge guys? So that's what my biggest takeaway is. These guys just struggle to get off blocks. And New Mexico's offensive line is definitely improved, but that's not what you really want to see against a team that you would figure your front three, your front seven would be able to have some type of success just beating their man on, you know, going man-to-man, uh, you know, competition up there up front. It wasn't nothing special in New Mexico State was doing. Definitely see what kind of adjustments are made heading into Saturday's contest. We'll see if they're able to get some pressure on the field. But um, let's move into my third concern. And, and this is, I think this speaks for every UTEP fan out there and even those who aren't UTEP fans. This is perhaps my biggest concern. We talked about this before the game. We talked about it even, I mean, in years past we've talked about this, but it's the overuse of Aaron Jones. Um, he, he got 31 carries on the night. 
he had another, you know, four receptions, I believe, and was probably targeted on two, three more plays. So you're talking about nearing 40 touches in a game. And and for a running back that is the centerpiece of your offense, I, I just I for the life of me I cannot understand why they continue to use him at the at the rate that they do, and and even even with the the use uh, in in the running game and the passing game you know beefed up so now he's a blocking back as well but even aside from all that, I saw the kid out on punt on punt team and, and that is just completely completely inexplicable to me I I I can't I don't understand it. Um, in fact, if you, uh, you know, I got to watch the end of the game at home. I was uh, actually at the game with my little nieces, uh, one and three years old. So we didn't quite make it to the end of the game, but I got to finish up at home. Um, and as soon as the game ended, went back to the commentators on BN Sports, you know, in the studio. And, I mean, almost immediately they, went in they on were Kugler, with Sean Cooler, please get that kid off of punt cover. I mean, I, I, I don't get it. You know, it's the same thing that they've done in years past. It's the same thing that they did last year. And we, I mean, you know, God forbid it happens again, knock on wood, but, you know, we, we said it last year before he went down with the injury. You know, they're overusing him. They're, they're, they're just they're asking for, for him to get injured, you know, especially heading into a game like this against Texas where they're going to be keying on Jones. He's not, I mean, the guy's a talent. He's going to be at, at ex- He's just as talented as anybody on that field this Saturday, but I would be, I would bet my house that he's not going to rush for another 250 yards. Let's put it that way. That defense is going to be keying on him, and they're going to be teeing off when they have the ability to do so. And and again, that's my main concern. You're talking about a guy that is your team, and again, you're you're putting him out there on the ringer. You're putting him on the front lines, and you're just asking him to do, in my opinion, to do way too much. What did you think? Yeah, I, I agree. And, and the biggest thing, I mean, the biggest thing is afterwards because, you know, obviously everybody on, on the comment thread was asking me to, to, to ask Kugler about that, and I did. And, and what he said was it was a reward. You know, obviously Aaron's been out for a while and, and you know, well-deservedly earned those carries. But do you believe that or not? That's what I've been struggling with because if Aaron Jones is hot and he's even 20 carries in, but he's running over Texas, Sean Kugler's proven that he's not going to pull the plug. You know, he's going to continue going at this guy, and, and, and it's not wrong. You know, it's not wrong to go, oh, it's working. You know, it's the same thing of a, of a three-point shooter getting hot in the basketball game. But, you know, the kid, has, has as much as we love Aaron, he's had injury issues going back to his senior year of high school. And, and, I, and I, I, the biggest thing is it's not so much the fact that Aaron's on special teams. You want to have your best player on special teams. But we're in year four now of the Sean Kruger era, and he's had – you know, we've looked at these recruiting classes, obviously, because that's what we do. And we know that, that there's enough depth where you, where Sean has built this thing where you try to, you build that depth where you avoid that. You know, it's hard yeah. to, to, to do that at a G5 level to have special team guys and third string, fourth string guys. But the way that Sean Cougar's recruited, you should have a, a second or third string corner that's able to be a gunner. You should have a receiver a second, third-string receiver, Brandon Moss comes to mind, uh, Gerald Brown on, on uh, the cornerback comes to mind. Those type of guys, what, where are they to, to be able to plug in there? That's what, what got me excited about this team is because you would have that extra edge on special teams. But now come to think, you got starters. Not only that, Devin Cockrell. Devin Cockrell, who came back from microfascial surgery, was on special teams coverage. Alvin Jones as well on the kickoff. And now you, you see guys like, like, like Colby McGarry, 
on kickoff. And those are the guys that I want to see on, on special teams, not Aaron Jones. And that is, that's a big, big question going forward, especially a, a game like this where it's going to be humid as hell out there. Jones is going to get his touches. You know, where's that rest? Where, where is that, that catch of breath that he's going to need running against future NFL guys on the defensive end as well? I, I per, okay, you, maybe later in the, in the year, you're fighting for a conference title. You want every edge you want, but not this early in the season. You know that's yeah. really my my take on it. La- later in the year, hell yeah, you want to. You're, you're six and two. You're you, you're playing lot tech on the road, whatever. I know that early in the year, but just an example. Yeah, then maybe you think about it. But early in the year, I just wouldn't do it. And I get putting your best players on the field at all times. But you got to protect guys like Cockrell. You got to protect guys like Aaron Jones and Alvin Jones. And yeah, so that's definitely those those are very solid takeaways. And you know, because we we all know the good. We all know the good that happened on on last Saturday. But those were definitely things that stood out and, and things that could be corrected. You know, whether it's it's coaching, whether it's just guys figuring stuff out, like we mentioned the pass rush, like we mentioned Greenlee. But I think the biggest adjustment that that stood out in my mind was that special teams because that's good for later in the year not these early season games where you're risking these guys potential seasons or missing a chunk of the season at this point. We're still too early for all that, in my opinion. And, and you talk about Cougar's comments about rewarding Jones and I guess giving him the ability to go for a, a career record. Um, but what about the reward of, of preserving the kid's career? You know, cause, cause when it comes down to it, I mean, for Aaron Jones, I think we're both on the same page. We say that this guy's the next level. Kid. We both agree on that. And, right. and, you know, when you start overworking on him, overworking him and, and letting him do those types of things, you know, in my opinion, in the long run, it's only, it's only asking for negative, if, if that makes any sense. It, no, it's just like we saw sense. last year. It, it's, it's, it's asking bad things to happen, especially when it comes down to 30 seconds left in the game and you're still handing him the football. I mean, you yeah. know, you're up 16 points. I agree that at a, at a certain – you know, it looked like to start the half, they were trying to, to, to kind of ease him up, not give him as many carries in the second half. In fact, that's something that you mentioned at halftime to me. And, and it looked like that. They started getting Quadras Wildly more involved. And, uh, of course, the fumble happened. But even with that, they, they seemed to try to get Jones going – I mean, I'm sorry, give him a little more rest. And as New Mexico State got going was when they kind of went back to Aaron Jones. But, again – you know, that last drive, I think it was like six minutes long or something like that. I understand starting off with him. Once you get down to two minutes, you know, two and a half, three minutes, and you're up 16, you got the ball at a first deep in, in their territory, you know that the game's in hand. You know, it would take a miracle for them to overcome it. And to be handing him the ball that deep in the game with a 16-point lead is called for, you know, personal record or not. But, again, like you mentioned, there were a lot of t- good takeaways from this game. Um one of the big things that I really enjoyed seeing was the physicality of the defense on the back mm-hmm. seven. Um, we saw four, five, six plays and one big one uh, where, where, you know, our corners and our safeties were knocking balls free from receivers. Um, there was one play in particular where that big kid, uh, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, the receiver that had five or six catches for them, 15 or 16 is number. Number one. Um, well, I believe it was Brendan Royal that 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 knocked free one on uh, on fourth and oh, uh, yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. when they were driving down two scores. It was a six point game. I mean, but you saw that you know three, four, five times throughout the game, and not only that, but they were they were doing well in coverage. They did get beat a couple times, but I mean, nothing to really be alarmed about. I, I really like the physicality and I like the improvement of the of the defense, especially in the secondary. What do you think? 
Yeah, very, very technically sound. I mean, the first quarter, right off the bat, it, Needham, Needham broke up a pass, and then Deshaun Smith came back on the next play and leveled the receiver, and that really set the tone. And we've, we've talked about it. That's something that we've kind of talked about across Conference USA where we've seen these really fast secondaries. And for the first time, these guys look fast and cohesive. That was a yeah. big thing to me. They, they, you know, the, the front seven, we talked about the pass rush, and just to touch on it, the big thing Alvin Jones talked about was communication. That could definitely be cleared up. If you look at that communication on the back end, that was very smooth. The only time that we really got burnt uh, deep was in that second quarter, and what happened was is uh, Kobe McGarry was being subbed out, and Kobe McGarry didn't get the call in time. So that was a cover two look, and Kobe was very late to get over there, still made the play. But you look at that communication and that cohesiveness, and then you got some speedsters. You know, I, I saw some, some people today kind of discrediting uh, our speed on the outside, and I think Nick Needham's as fast as any Conference USA corner, and I think the same about Kalon Beverly. who could Kalon Beverly could be running track at UTEP if he wanted to. I know he had that opportunity. We talked about it when, when he signed, but he didn't, he didn't jump at that opportunity. So you, you're kind of seeing these guys, and we mentioned it, how fun this defense is and how it plays into those guys' strengths to be in that zone coverage, to have two good safeties like Deshaun Smith and Devin Cockrell kind of covering your back there. And that was used to see because New Mexico State did try to – they were trying to test Kalon early. You know, there was a drive where they kind of went, you know, three times in a row. That was one where Kalon kind of got that smart PI in the end zone where he was kind of singled up and got a bad position on it and he held his receiver. You know, that was, that was an acceptable penalty, I think. So you're seeing these guys really, really grow – and you're seeing talents like Deshaun Smith, like Brennan Royal, a guy that had a tremendous spring, and now you saw how he parlayed that into week one and that nickel spot, and that's something that we're going to see a lot. Texas is going to run a lot of four or five wide, so you're going to see a lot of that, a lot of that cohesiveness right in front of your eyes kind of you know, growing up in a sense. So that's, that was very, very big, and, and that, was, that was really encouraging because, like I mentioned earlier, UTEP did drop eight. They were so – I think they were so concerned with not getting torched again by, by Tyler Rogers, who did it two years in a row already – where that, that dropping eight back and then a lot of cover three, a lot of cover four, didn't really see that much, that much cover two, but you're seeing these guys just blanket out there, and that was very huge to see. Now that next part is getting that front three to get after the quarterback to make the mistakes where interceptions come, where now instead of Needham breaking up a pass from behind, Needham's jumping a route from behind because the quarterback has to make a quick decision. So those are the little things that really, really can kind of pay off at the end but right off the bat, we were worried about New Mexico State receivers. But that first segment, like I mentioned, where Needham breaks up the pass and Deshaun Smith breaks up the pass, that right there set the tone. And the rest of the day was history. And that was very, very encouraging to see from what we expected out of the secondary. I think more than anything, right, we're expecting this out of these guys. And to see them do that, that was huge. You know, one other thing, we're going to be moving on here shortly to uh... – to the uh, Texas preview, as we all know, this is this is old news. We're a week removed from this New Mexico State game, but first chance to talk about it, so we're going to get as much in as we can. One other thing that really jumped out at me, of course there were a lot of them, but one other thing that really jumped out at me, and you mentioned it, in fact, you called him your special teams, or minor rush called him their special teams player of the week in the uh, in the rush uh, rankings this week, but Terry Junell, six uh, returns, 97 yards on punt returns, averaging over 16 yards a return. I mean, what can you say about this kid? This is exactly he's gonna what break we're one. That's all I'm gonna we, say is he he gonna bust one this year. <laughs> he is. Yeah, and this is exactly what we were expecting coming in last year. Obviously, you didn't get to see him because of the injuries, but talk about it. I mean, tell me what your thoughts are. Man, you know, it, the big thing also that I noticed is, is the coverage schemes 
were very – I always notice how coverage schemes kind of work with special teams as far as the last coverage guy, how close is he to the punt returner. And I noticed that Terry Junell had about a 15-yard window not only from where a defender was but before the blocker, meaning that scheme wall, whatever they were running there in that special teams – was already set up. So Terry Janelle really just has to put his foot in the ground and make one move, and you saw how shifty he was. So I'm definitely giving a lot of credit to, 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 to Terry, but that coverage unit did a great job, and it allows that guy, that shifty guy that can put that one foot in the ground and go one way and switch direction to another way. That is really a key that, that I think that's going to be big, not only for this punt return, but in the kickoff game. That could be another thing. When you look at these walls of my grandma, just gave me a kiss. What's up, grandma? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, uh, that that it was huge, that, and, and that's a big thing because the funny thing that that Cougar talked about, uh, you know, was that Terry was pissed because he wasn't breaking these, and I, and I kind of thought this. I was thinking the same thing before Cougar said it. Well, shit, you ain't been around the past three years to see that's been a struggle spot. But that became somewhat where that flipped uh, a, a drive starting inside our own nineteen to now we're starting inside the thirty the 35 and not only that but that gets the sideline juice as well to see terry break off a couple guys and that's big that's going to be a weapon like i said when we're playing it was a couple times he almost busted one against the mexico state that's going to be a game changer especially if this utep defense can continue to to not give up that big play and get off the field on third downs which that's a big that's something we didn't even touch on at one point new mexico state was two of eight on third downs that's going to be a huge weapon, not only for flipping the field, but for putting points on the board and swinging momentum. And I think we talked about how important it was to just sign him. And now that we're seeing him, I mean, gosh, and not only that, the kid had that big 18-yard reception early in the game, too, that moved the chain. So Terry Janelle, I, I did a Q&A with Underdog Dynasty before the year, and I called him my breakout of the year candidate for the conference, not for UTEP, not specifically anything for the conference. And I think he's, he's just getting started. He, and the great thing about it, we got three years of this guy, man. He's not just a two-year JUCO transfer, and that was very, very encouraging to see. And like you, like you mentioned, like you texted me right after that first return, he, it was simple. He's shifty. He's shifty, and he's shifting. He's going to shift some cats all year, and he's going to break that long one, and that's no longer going to be a problem for UTEP, I think. Definitely still to be seen out of Terry Janelle this year and the rest of his UTEP career. In the end, 38-22 victory for the Miners over New Mexico State. Uh, improving a 1-0 and on the season. But like we know, coming up this Saturday, got a big showdown with this in Austin who is coming off a huge win of their own. And now we're going to bring in Mike Roach of Hornsports.com to come and give us some better insight on the long what to expect this Saturday. What's going on, Mike? How you doing? Hey, guys. How are you all? Thanks for having me on. Doing great. I guess let's start off and, and, and give your – First takeaway, your first thoughts after knocking off uh, who was then ranked number 10 Notre Dame uh, last Saturday or Sunday, actually. What? Tell us what your thoughts were following that game. Oh, man, it was crazy. Um, you know, the last couple of years, all we've had to write about is bad stuff, you know, just embarrassing blowouts and, um, you know, losses to teams that Texas shouldn't be losing to on a regular basis. And, uh, you know, to finally have one of those work out, pull it off against uh, the number 10 team and a team as storied as Notre Dame was huge. And it's, um, it's led to a real surge in recruiting news. Uh, a lot more people are excited when talking about Texas. And, um, it's a lot more fun to write about. I'll, I'll tell you that. No doubt about that. And, and 
the big thing that I took away from that is, is Shane Buchel. I mean, 61% of his passes, 280 yards, as you know, did have that one freshman moment where he threw that interception. But that seemed like that was his only freshman moment. I mean, are we seeing the future stud not only of the Longhorns, but possibly Big 12 and maybe even nationally? Uh, you know, I I covered Shane in high school a lot because I live in Arlington and he went to high school in Arlington, uh, just right around the corner from my house. And, you know, I saw a lot of special things in Shane when he was in high school. And, um, I, you know, there's been too many times, like last year with Gerard Hurt, when he had his little flash that we've said, oh, this is the guy. And, um, but after rewatching that game a couple times and just knowing what I know about Shane, I think, yeah, it's possible. I mean, you're you're looking at a guy that, could turn into a real Colt McCoy-like career if everything comes together for him. Yeah, that's that, that's kind of the same thing that I saw. So switching gears to the defensive side of the ball, Notre Dame run for over 200 yards. Obviously, they have a great quarterback that had a nice game. UTEP has Aaron Jones, big-time stud, really good offensive line. Is there maybe any type of concern in terms of, of what Texas fans are feeling about what UTEP can do, not only on the ground, but to play keep away from that Texas offense that looks very, very revamped this year? I think there's um, a lot of concern in people who have actually researched UTEP. I think that early on, and this is something that I've had to tell people this week, the general feeling was, oh, it's UTEP, so we're going to roll them. And when I got to start looking into the numbers and, um, you know, saw some Aaron Jones footage and saw how big that line was, I thought this is kind of a mismatch nightmare because Texas is, is inexperienced up front and their experienced players aren't their elite players. So um, they had some issues with the stop in the running game last year. Um, I think that's definitely a huge concern. And, um, you know, with, with Brent Peace there as the offensive coordinator at UTEP, Texas had Brian Harson for – a little bit. So we understand what that offensive system kind of looks like and it's power running. It's, it's uh, downhill football. And um, you know, that, that does uh, to me stick out as something that's a mismatch for Texas. You know, Mike, I, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about um, something off the field. I'm kind of interested just to see where the program is at in, in terms of, I guess where the, where the fan base is and the program is around coach Charlie strong. I know that, coming in he wasn't necessarily the most popular hire I know that there's been some downtimes with him early in his career coming off his you know most signature win so far in his career at Texas what where is the fan base with him as coach and the program as a whole approval level is at an all-time high right now now it can go out the out the window at a moment's notice you know there's a lot of Texas fans have a wandering eye um, Tom Herman seems to be the new uh flavor du jour for coaching hires and then of course you have your section of fans that are always going to want to go back and hire Nick Saban um so I think he's bought himself some goodwill and there are a lot of people that like the way he operates his program uh the way he keeps guys kind of on the straight and narrow and the way he recruits and there's a lot of people that want to see it work out for him but don't be mistaken uh you know a poor performance this week could turn right back into the same old thing with him now, as far as the win over Notre Dame goes, I'm a, I'm a guy that actually goes out and watches a game every single year um, of Notre Dame out in South Bend, and so I do follow the program a bit. But I also know – I'm not a huge fan or anything, but I do know that it seems like nationally the polls, they usually want Notre Dame to do well regardless of the team is that good or not. So, you know, they're ranked number 10 preseason. Is this 
a top ten win for Texas coming in. Do you think maybe just perhaps there's a, a there was a little bit of kind of of them being a tad overrated, or do you think this is a true top ten win? This is you know this really puts Texas into that that top tier national level uh, in college ball. I think they might have been a little overrated, but I don't know by how much. I mean, I think they were definitely a top 15 team coming into that. And I think Deshaun Kaiser might be the best quarterback in the nation when all is said and done. Um, and that physical line on both sides. And, uh, you know, I think Notre Dame's biggest issue from what I can see and tell is they lost a lot of their explosive playmaking ability and they lost a lot of experience on defense. So I don't know how that's going to round out for them, but um, I think they were a really good team. I think it's a very quality win. Um, I don't know top ten or, uh, you know, but as we saw in week one, polls are pretty much worthless when half the teams go down. And um, I, Yeah, I would say probably a top 15 team. Talking with Mike Roach, the senior recruiting analyst for Hornsports.com, and Mike John Bird is a guy that I've kind of had. I've had these little man crushes, just to give you a, a, a base pass of <laughs> here on, on our Rush podcast. And John Burt is one of those guys that I've had nationally. And, you know, you look at, at Texas receiving production, you know, from week one. Can John Burt kind of carry the torch? I think he can against UTEP. But going forward, is there going to be that other receiver that maybe you're looking forward to see, to take that next step this week against UTEP to become some type of a tandem and give Shane Bouchel an, another big-time weapon because there's a lot of to choose from there. Yeah, John Bird is obviously, I mean, he's a fantastic athlete. And, um, you know, if he holds on to the ball well all season, he's going to have his, his opportunities on deep shots. You know, the ball he dropped in the first quarter um, – the corner was playing cover three on him, and in cover three, you're never supposed to get beat deep because you're bailing immediately at the snap. And and Bert just ran by him and unfortunately dropped the ball. But um, he's a fantastic athlete. He's built for this offense. They've got a couple of guys that can uh, pair with him. Armani Foreman, who you saw catch the first touchdown pass of the game, is electric speed guy. Uh, he's had some consistency issues with his hands as well, and that's what's kind of held him back. And then they've got a freshman named Colin Johnson from California who's uh, six foot six, and he's just a monster in the making. I mean, it, it, I, I'm interested to see him because he didn't get very many snaps last week. I'm interested to see him against UTEP this week. So as we do every week with our weekly guests from the opponent, talking here with Mike Roach from Hornsports.com. Mike, just give us a quick score prediction or a, a quick prediction, a score prediction, or if you have another prediction that you want to throw out there as well. Oh, you guys are going to put me on the spot. i got to do my prediction yes, tomorrow on the site, um, and I haven't quite decided it yet. I think UTEP is going to be tougher than anticipate. I don't think this is a – in the way that the SEC will schedule like a Prairie View A&M. This isn't that type of game, and I think some Texas fans are fooled into thinking it is. Um, I think it's close for a while, and I think uh, I think the UTEP running game – will strike a couple of times. In the end, I see Texas overall talent-wise pulling away for the end of the game. Um, but I've got Texas, I, I'm thinking somewhere around 38 to 17. There you have it. That's Mike Roche, hornsports.com. Make sure to go on over hey, there guys. and check out all the coverage of the UT Longhorns as well as this minor game coming up this Saturday. Mike, we thank you for coming on. We hope to be in touch with you more coming up this weekend. Guys, before I go, can I ask a question? Of course. Sure, go for it. 
Yeah, I've got a man crush, too, and he plays at UTEP. He's one of the favorite <laughs> kids I've ever covered in high school football, and I want to know how he's doing. Walter Don Jr. was the best high school player I saw in the state last year, regardless of his size. How's he doing? Oh, you you actually might you might see Walter this weekend. He's kind of been working uh, on special teams as a returner. Uh, he's really trying to – right now UTEP is trying to find some type of backup running back rotation, I guess you could say. But Walter Don is definitely going to become – I could really compare him to like a Darren Sproles type of production in this pro-style offense. And I think this is a guy that as the season goes on this year, you know, UTEP's going to have a tough decision whether to burn a red shirt on him or to allow him to, to be able to help out in this return game. And I think you caught on uh, when we were talking about the Miners' current returner, Terry Junell, who, who made a who made a splash in his debut. I think that may be pushing uh, Walter Don back just a little bit, but you're going to hear about Walter Don in the next couple of years. Sean Cougar and his staff are excited about it. And that when we, when we talk about recruiting on our side, obviously it's not as glamour and glorified as, as your guys recruiting, but when, when you see these little steals that UTEP is getting out of the Dallas Fordham Theater and a talent like Walter Don, I'm definitely excited. I know, Anthony, we talked about it in, 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 our, in our spring, our, our recruiting uh, podcast with signing day. Yeah, Walter Don Jr., if you don't see him this year, you're going to see Walter Don Jr. over the next couple of years really, really evolve into that Darren Sproles type of production here at UTEP, no doubt. That's my guy. That's my guy, so I'm glad to hear it. All right, guys, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you, uh, Mike. We'll be in touch, okay? Once again, Mike Roach, hornsports.com. Log on over there. Check out all coverage of Texas Longhorn Sports as well as this game coming up on Saturday. Look, what is going on with all these man crushes, bro? Like, I'm married, so am I allowed to have a man crush or <laughs> What, what's you, you the rule? Ask, you got to ask the wifey pool about about the man crush rule. I, I've I've been single for about four or five years myself, happily single. So yeah, but I I think you'd be allowed. I think you'd be allowed. I, I would definitely. Oh, uh, it's too much, man. Look, I want to start off our own little UTEP Texas segment here. Obviously, we already kicked it off a of mic, but me and you here, this segment right here, I want to kick it off and talk about. The question that I that I posed to him, I kind of slipped on. I was trying to explain it, but you know, I, I don't know that that Notre Dame is truly a top ten team. You know what I'm saying? Like, and and that yeah. win, that win. Uh, I, I'm not trying to say that UT is not a good team, you know? but that win then gets boosted up and glorified as this really big win when maybe. In two or three weeks, Notre Dame's not even ranked. You know, they drop. I don't know who they who they they play next, but if they if they go to uh, I don't know. Let, let's pull up their schedule. But if they if they come out and and drop a game, are they even in the top twenty five in a few weeks? You know, and, and I'm just I don't know. That that's kind of where I'm at with that. I, I'm still trying to figure out Notre Dame, and it's because they're a team that's always ranked you know, so highly because of their history. And, and so you never know they are truly as good as their ranking. Uh, they got uh, Nevada, Michigan State, who I believe is a little down this year, uh, Duke, Syracuse. Maybe they're not going to drop a game. But you, you see where I'm going with this, you know. It's just yeah, I'm trying to get a gauge on, on, on how big of a win that is for Texas. Because if this isn't a top 25 Notre Dame team, then, you know, Maybe it's not a top 25 Texas team. And if it's not a top 25 Texas team, then maybe it's a 35 or 42-point blowout. I mean, I'm not saying UTEP's going to even give them a game, but I'm saying maybe they don't cover by two or three touchdowns. I don't know. Maybe I'm just hoping and wishing. What do you think? 
Yeah, no, that's 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 very fair because I mean, if you look at Notre Dame and and you know they got they got torched in the secondary. Now John Burke's a great athlete, but to see Jared Hurd split, you know, I think it was like a covered two man or something, and go straight up the seam with that big catch that set him up for a score. I mean, that that's the concern. Where to think of that? Yeah, maybe they have top twenty five talent in their backfield. You know, Mike talk, Mike Rose talked about how their quarterback is talented and they were able to run for two hundred yards, but. You know, defensively, I think that's really the question with Notre Dame. I don't think, and I agree, even coming into the season, I didn't think Notre Dame was a top, you know, 15 team. Didn't, you know, figure they had top 25 talent to be in that 15 to 25 range, but were they ninth or something? That's, that was really high for them preseason. But, you know, that could really be the key because you look at, at Texas and how, you know, their offense is great. Shane Buchel is really looking like the stud, like we mentioned. But, you know, that really hasn't been something that we've seen out of Texas, being able to open up the down, the, the vertical passing game as easy as they as they have. So now, you know, it, it's kind of hard to compare what UTEP is going to do. But, you know, UTEP's schemes could kind of help that out. And then we'll see, you know, I think that's a really good gauge. But you got a good point there. I mean, we, we could be – overlooking on Notre Dame but at the same time when you look at Charlie Strong what he's done with the past couple recruiting classes I mean they have really stacked themselves out not only that but you're looking at they started a guy that was last week Shackelford the center was just a three-star center but this guy really looks like the next big deal and you look at another guy on the defensive line that I looked at uh, Burton was another three-star recruit that is cracked their two deep jet chart and that says a lot about these kids and what Charlie Strong is bringing and and improving you know not only just their roster but the quality of football they're playing with this up-tempo offense and I think you know in my opinion on it and that's a great you know I, I definitely agree with you but I think maybe that Notre Dame is definitely underrated, and I think maybe Texas is that good. That's how I see it, but that's a, that's a legit question that you pose, you know, when you're watching that game because of how easy Texas kind of made it look on the offensive end. I mean, obviously putting up 50 points of anybody's impressive, but just the way that they did it with, you know, the two-quarterback system, it just seemed very automatic, and it seemed like Notre Dame defensively was a couple of steps behind. So, yeah, but I personally think that this Texas team, you know, if everything goes together as far as injuries, I think that they can get – you know, they can beat those Oklahomas. They can finally get past and not get embarrassed by TCU. And that's just my take on it. I think just the way that Charlie Strong has recruited and watching guys like Mike Roach that we talked to cover their recruiting, you can tell that they're definitely turning the corner. But you got to play games. That's one of tw- that's one of 12. You know, obviously they want to be playing 13, 14 games. But I think that's, that's a good measurement, I think, for Texas. But, yeah, we got to wait for a couple weeks to see how where that measurement is as far as Notre Dame goes. You know, we talked about uh, Shane Buchel, and I look at his – I didn't get to watch the entire game. And like I was telling you, I watched on my phone. So I was thinking out. I saw some of the key plays. I saw that crazy two-point uh, conversion return. Uh, but the one play that you mentioned a second ago about the long touchdown where Notre Dame secondary got beaten that cover too, you take away that play from, from Buchel's stats, and you're talking about a 15 of 20 for 200 yards, one touchdown, mm-hmm. one interception. It, it, those numbers don't exactly jump off the page at you. And, and so we're still talking about a freshman quarterback, granted, like we were talking about one of the top-rated freshman quarterbacks in the country, but um, still, it, it's a true freshman quarterback. And he, you know, is this something where if we can possibly get pressure on him that we can make him make a couple mistakes? You know, I don't know. The other thing that, that concerns me, you haven't mentioned yet at the quarterback spot, is Tyrone Swoops, a uh, senior quarterback mm-hmm. that they're using in the run game. You know, I guess much like you can, can compare him to Kavika Johnson here at UTEP, 
which obviously he's taking over the completely this week. But um, you see Tyrone Swoops, 13 rushes for 53 yards this weekend, three TDs. Um, is this a guy that can That's cause fits for you? We, we saw Tyrone, time, Ro- I mean, Tyrone Rogers. Uh, now I can't even think of his Tyler. first name. What's his name? Tyler Rogers. We saw Tyler Rogers bust up UTEP in the run game a bit, you know, and that was more of, of – of, you know, not able to get pressure and having good covers downfield to where he was able to break it for, for a few, you know, runs here and there. But we saw that, and we saw him get it when he wanted it. You think this is going to be an issue for UTEP here with Swoops running back there? Big-time issue. Big, big-time issue. Not only because we had we struggled containing that outside containment on Tyler Rogers, but this is a 6'4", 250-pound, boss hog outlaw, bro. I mean – this dude is I – mean, you got to get hats to this guy, man. I mean, you, you got to get hats to this guy. You're, you're not bringing him down with arm tackles. That's really what concerns me more is his yards after contact. You know, uh, obviously scheme-wise, you want to be sound. You want to make sure that, that, that you're forcing that inside run and that you're forcing the quarterback off of the heel line. But, you know, the biggest concern for me at UTEP is tackling this guy. You know, there was – really, we saw some pretty clean tackles against New Mexico State – but New Mexico State didn't have no 6'4", 250 cat that could run a 4'5". New Mexico State will never have that, never. And that's my biggest concern with this guy, especially when they use him. You know, Texas uses him is going to use him more in the red zone. So while they pound out with 250-pound backs and dynamic receivers, then you get into the red zone, and then you have to tackle this guy. Swoops is going to come in there, and he does a tremendous job running that zone read and all the other little runs that they have for him. Tackling him, I think, is going to be the biggest issue the minor defense is going to have, and that scares me like a motherfucker, man. You talked about John Burt with Mike Rhodes. Moving over into the backfield, we still got Deontay Foreman, uh, 6'1", 250-pound running back there who had 24 carries for 131 yards last week. Um these guys have weapons. That, that's, that's for damn sure. Um, so how do we even stay on the same field as these guys? How do we compete with these guys? Looking down at your UTEP Texas game preview, the first thing on there is almost always my biggest thing when it comes to this type of, these types of games, control the clock and no negative yards in the run game. So talk to me a little bit about that. How do you expect UTEP to be able to control that clock and, and kind of play this game at their own pace? Yeah, that that's going to be the key, man. These second we talk about it's like we're repetitive when we talk about UTEP getting in these second and seven and longer, third and five, whatever. You got to keep yourself ahead of the eight ball. Negative rushes. A guy like Malik Jefferson on the defensive side, he's going to play in the backfield all day. You know, you look at at Puna Ford. I love that name, Puna. My, you know, by the way, I thought that throw that in there. That's a beast up front. Uh, you know, they got another guy. I think Warren's another defensive tackle that is just hard to hard to block. I mean. This is going to be a big challenge for that UTEP offensive line to continue to get a push and do not let anything, no negative plays. No, that's going to be a key in this game. When you talk about containing their weapons, UTEP's best off defense in this game is going to be the offense and the ability to drag out that, that drive, to put together that 12-play, 70-yard drive, that chews off five minutes. We saw it against New Mexico State, two, drives over six, two scoring drives over six minutes. But this is a different beast when we're talking about Malik Jefferson, when you're talking about Puna Ford, and, and I'm going to keep saying Puna Ford's name all day, by the way. When you keep seeing these talented guys, man, that's going to be tough to handle for UTEP, who has shown that they can hang. I, look, I, I keep going back to the Arkansas game last year. Well, yeah, we got rolled 48-13, but we held our own. We, we gave them fits in certain areas. 
just because of being physical. And that's going to be a key for UTEP to not, to, to not just punch back, but to set the tone early. And that's really going to be UTEP's best defense is going to be those seven, eight-minute drives where they're just physically pounding. And not only that, but when you're getting some type of balance off of play action with Kavika Johnson, who does a great job with play action. So I think, you know, we will get into the quarterback. Obviously, here I really want to know what you think about that. But, you know, really to, to control Texas's offense, UTEP can, has to control that football and just keep getting first down. You know, it, it, of course, you want to put up points, you want to put up yards, but UTEP's key is going to be just getting first down, you know, continuing just to, to try to wear them down if, if possible. They have a lot of depth defensively, but that's going to be a key for UTEP to try to knock out this weekend. Well, one more time before uh, Alex can say Puna Ford again. Y'all want to get in on a conversation? We still got some time left in the show. 347-934-0951 is the calling number. Y'all can get in on the talk. Uh, let us know what your, what your questions are, your concerns, your comments on this upcoming game. And you can also find us on Twitter at SBN Minor Rush. So if y'all want to get in there, get us your questions or comments through there as well. One more time, 347-934-0951 is the calling number. Um, all right. Let's jump to the questions let's, on the weekend. We got some pretty good questions. Let's jump to that because the third key on your list is utilize play action more often. So go right at it, man. Tell me what you got. Yeah, for, for that one, I think, you know, for, for the play action, I think you saw it work in different stages against New Mexico State. And I just think that with – I look back at UTEP last year, UTEP defense, they were a man-based defense. And Texas is kind of that same way. I think if, if, if you're going to be so keyed in on Aaron Jones, you've got to play with their eyes defensively. I'm talking more about the secondary because we've seen a guy like Cole Freytag who can kind of stretch the field, uh, saw with Terry Junell and obviously Jaquan White. I want to see that play action become something that we can try to pick apart matchups, even with Hayden Plink, you know, lining up against a smaller secondary, even though I'm pretty sure they can match up even with a guy like uh, Hayden Plink. But that's what I really want to see. I want to see the play action – you know, just kind of mess with Texas's eyes. And that's, that's what I was looking at, uh, you know, when we're talking about those keys to play action, is just messing with Texas's eyes because they're going to be so keyed in on what Aaron Jones is doing, where Aaron Jones is lining up. And we saw how, how effective, you know, that was the thing that I was worried about with this UTEP offense is all these shifts and motions, how effective would they be? They worked pretty well. They were very, very, very deceptive in terms of what they were going to do. Now, when UTEP ran up the middle, New Mexico State did a great job of, of being able to, to, to contain that and, and just warp that up. But when UTEP started going a little bit vertically, when they started kind of moving Aaron Jones around, you can tell that, that there was a little confusion. So I think the big example was that third down pass on that second down drive. I, and I, we, we even texted each other almost at the same time when Greenlee found uh, Cole Freytag because it set it up, you know, that pre-snap motion and what they were doing before, you know, set that up. And then going back to the next play, you know, where Freytag, you know, gets the just a 46-yard touchdown off of a off of a pump fake to the flat to Aaron Jones, and he was wide open. Why that safety that was supposed to be there bit on that, and he was chasing Freytag the whole time. And so that's going to be a key. I want to see that used more. I think that's something that Texas is going to look – because UTEP didn't show that much of it. And I think that was very smart of Brent Peace because the play action obviously is going to be there. But I think more against Texas man coverage – that is definitely going to be key. So looking here at some uh, Twitter questions. we got a good one for um, Lutep Minor. Uh, just a quick basketball question. Any word on the three basketball players that visited last week? Still haven't gotten any word on the names. Those two, two of the three Juco guys, I'm about 70% sure that they're there. Um, he also asked about the pass rush that we touched on earlier. And this is a big one. I'm going to throw this one to you, Anthony. How many carries does Aaron Jones get this weekend? I, I say anywhere between 20 to 25. What do you think? 
I mean, I think you let the game dictate that. Um, if if we're somewhat in this game, if it's within reason that we can even, you know, stay competitive, then yeah, I'd like to see him get around 25 carries. But if if this is a game that is that is 21-0 at the end of the first quarter and it's, you know, 35-7 at the half or something like that, you know, that second half he almost shouldn't even play. Uh, there's, mm-hmm. just, there's no reason for it. You know, if, if the game the, – the objective of, of the game is to win it. So if there's not an opportunity to win it, then you sit that kid down, you, you just give him a bottle of Gatorade and let him just chill until that clock says zero and you all come back home and you get ready to play the next game. Because, again, this is the centerpiece of not only our offense but our entire team. And if he goes down, oh, so does our <laughs> team. So that's not what you want to see. So, again – you know, 25 carries I think is maxed out if we're in the game, but I, I think it should be even less than 20 if this turns into a blowout. There's just there's just no reason to put him out there just for the purpose of just letting him run the football. There's just no reason for that. I think if anything, you know, you give Quadres Wadley more carries in that situation to where he can kind of get his bearings set, his feet set, because obviously he had the fumble last week, and, you know, maybe that plays on someone's confidence. So you want to get him back in there and allow him to carry the football, especially against some of the best talent in the country. You know, and, and, and once he gets that experience and that confidence, he'll be able to, to spell Jones at times for a bigger amount of times as the season progresses. So, again, I wouldn't push the, push the ball too hard with, with Jones um, unless it happens to be that we are in this game deep and late. Um, I, want to talk, I want to go back, though. I want to go back to, um, to the Kavika talk. Um, my, my biggest thing on that, and the reason I started with play action is because you talk about the man coverage that, that UT is going to run. And honestly, I don't see them even coming out of that. I, nope, I, there's no reason all. for it. There's no reason for it. They can play a straight man all game long and, and look for us to beat them, dare us to beat them. And, even and, and I'm not saying we don't have the playmakers that. on the outside to beat them, but does Kavika Johnson do enough to really threaten them in the passing game? Because in order for that play action to actually work, you know, obviously there's got to be the threat of the run for them to bite on it, but there's also got to be the threat of the pass for them to be worried about it. Because if they're not, then they can sit back there and stack the box, and then the play action is kind of null and void, if you see what I'm saying. So do you think, you know, going off of what we've seen from Kavika in, in his games last year, do you think he is enough of a passing threat to make them worry about the play action? Let, let me say this. Let me, let me go back a little bit more recent. When I saw Kavika – I got to watch Kabika in three spring practices under Brent Peace, and that was a big thing that I noticed was his ability to throw off play action, crossing routes, 10 to 15 yards uh, post across the middle. I didn't really see him with the short stuff off of that. I really saw him take – and you can even go back to some of the tweets from, from March if you want to, if you're listening to this, to prove that. That is where I really saw him improve was downfield across the middle off of that play action. And like I said, this is with Brent Peace in there. This is running that Brent Peace offense with, with the play action, with the deception. And I think that he can against a Texas secondary. That's kind of the next question. I think, you know, when you, when you look at a, an Army or a UTSA secondary, or a UTSA, a Conference USA secondary, maybe even a UTSA secondary, never know. But you, when you get to that level, I think that's when you can see, you know, Kavika really do his thing. But the big question is going to be, can he do it against a Big 12 athlete? You know, like you mentioned, they can – they don't – Texas can stay in man all day. They can stack the box for seven – stack the box with eight and still be fine. Those athletes can cover ground. You know, that that's what they're here to do. They're here to make plays at Texas. And that's going to be a key to see if Kavika, because I saw 
that in the spring, I saw him really, really take that step forward of improving that downfield and throw across the middle. You know, like I said, I didn't see him throw down, down the scene, down the sideline, out route, none of that. It was, he was very, very consistent across the middle. And these situations that I saw him in were kind of that second and five, you know, that passing down situation where you really need him to make a play. And I really thought that Kavika took that big step ahead of Ryan Metz in the spring. So now when you get that spring, you get that summer, that comp quarterback competition, everything's been polished. Now you're going to test it against a Big 12 defense. That's really going to be the key. And that, that could really pole vault Kabika Johnson into he's our starter going forward. Or like people are asking on the comments, right, is he a wide receiver? And I think that question is going to get answered very, very quickly on Saturday. But I, I have confidence in this kid to be able to make those throws, to step up in the pocket, you know, but can these can UTEP's receivers also create separation against these very talented, lengthy defenders that they're going to be going up against? You know, so I'm going to, I'm going to bring up my next question to you, and it has a lot to do with Kavika being back there, but we've talked about in not only past podcasts, but, you know, just in conversations on our own, about Brent Peace running the offense. I use the term, open it up. You use the term, be more creative. So does, is this an opportunity for Brent Peace to kind of earn his money here, get creative with things to try to keep this team in the game? I mean, do we see the miners pull out all the stops, trick plays and whatnot, or do we just kind of see them hold it close to the vest, close to the chest, and, and, and wait till later on in the season to kind of show that creativity of the offense? What do you think? That that's exactly, I was actually thinking that earlier because I mean, as soon as it was kind of official that Greenlee was out, that was kind of my next thought. You know, okay, now what does the game plan go? Does it involve that? Because, you know, if we're coming into – you can decide – you can really, really kind of get Texas off if you just kind of go vanilla at the – you know, your first couple of drives, turn around and hand it to 29, and then boom, up trick play, 30-yard gash that opens up everything – this is what Brent Peace was brought in here to do. Now, is it was he going to do it here against number 11 Texas on the road in game number two or, you know, game eight against, you know, Florida International at home? You know, that's really going to be the big question. That's a legitimate question to see. There's obviously the tools to do it. They've been working on it. They, you know, talking with the guys, they feel like they've learned. Obviously, you know, you're going to change things as you go in terms of the playbook, but it seems like everything, every wrinkle that, that's possible in this offense has been gone over with these teams and they've been with this UTEP team and they've executed and executed in practice. And this is, to me, in my opinion, this is the perfect time to bust that out. If, you know, you go away from that normal conservative game plan that UTEP has gone up against when we look at where they, when they played Texas Tech last year, when they played Arkansas, even going back two years ago when they played Kansas State, where you, you, we kind of expected them to switch up the offense because you want to get some type of advantage with the disadvantage you have with the talent disparity. But I think this is that perfect game, especially Texas coming off of that high. You don't know, you know, where they're – I mean, you know these guys are going to be focused, but they're full focused to see some type of trickery, to see some big-time deception. And we didn't see that in week one because they didn't have to. But they may be forced to during the game. Maybe that's not written in pen on that game plan, but maybe that's definitely something that they've worked on this week because you're going to need that, especially if UTEP gets off to a slow start and Texas jumps out to that lead and we're just unable to move the ball. I mean, that's really, really going to be a key for UTEP. They can kind of throw something at them. But, you know, how, how do you feel about that? Because that's something that we've really, like you mentioned, we've talked about that a lot. Do you think that, that we could see some trickery, something different that we haven't seen early this year? 
I think that's another thing that's going to be dictated dictated by the pace of the game, uh, much yeah. like Aaron Jones's carries. You know, it, I, and I see it the opposite. You know, I think if we aren't able to to get going, you know, maybe there will be one or two little wrinkles that they throw in there uh, to kind of try to open things up for us. But I think it's if we are in the game where they're going to be pulling out all the stops to to try to get us to that finish line and see if we can somehow come up with an upset. That's my personal opinion. But I I don't think there's any questioning whether or not those calls are in the playbook. You know, Kavika Johnson may be a a wide receiver, truly. You know, that may be his better position. But there's a reason why he's lined up out there so much when Zach Grindley's in the game. And I don't think it's necessarily because they're sure that he's a wide receiver at this point, but he can be that athlete on the edge. And he can also provide a lot of different options, you know, in the screen game, in, in little, you know, you know, you, there's definitely going to be some wrinkles down the line with when, when Kavika's not under center, and that may, that may happen on Saturday. You never know. We might see maybe Kavika struggles early. And they, exactly. And they bring in Ryan Metz, and they let Metz do some things, and now you got that extra weapon out there on the outside that can throw the football. And, again, I think it's going to be dictated based on how the game goes. If early on, Because early on, we're going to try to establish the run game. I don't think there's any question yeah. about that. We're going to try to dictate the pace of play. We're going to try to control the line of scrimmage if we can and move the ball behind Aaron Jones and Quadras Wadley. You know, if, if we're not able to do that, everything's out the window. And, and I just, I have no idea how they're going to go about things, but I do think the trickery, the, the, the deception, the, 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 you know, the things that we haven't seen that we've wanted to see, and I don't think they will wait till week seven or eight if they're in the ball game, but if they're not, there's no reason to bring them out at this point. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we we'll kind of see how see that. that all plays out. But Ryan Metz, man, I, I'd like to see what the kid can do against a team like Texas. We saw what he did last year, um, plays with a whole lot of heart. And, you know, obviously, in well, at least in my opinion, I think he's the better pocket passer compared to Kavika. Mm-hmm. But we'll see what, what happens with that. Um, you mentioned also a, in your keys to the game, game or you want to call him that, uh, don't get beat <laughs> deep. Um we talked about it earlier. We did a pretty good job of that against New Mexico State. We've we've seen that Texas has the ability to to you know burn people on the outside. Um, is it something that that we have to be concerned with on a regular basis, or do you think this this unit, this secondary, is truly there where they can cover guys of the caliber of John uh, of of John Burt or and the rest of the receiver core for Texas? I think there's I – I mean, there's no doubt they can, but to me, Texas is going to – they're not scared to do that over and over again. So, it's, yes, we know that they can stop it. We've seen them do it last week. We know we've seen what how both Nick Needham and Kalon Beverly grew, but can you do it consistently for four quarters against an elite guy like John Burt? That's really going to sell how far these guys have not only kept, grew as players, but being matured and mentally to be able to kind of, you know – this this, uh, this up-tempo offense is just so hard. You know, you're going play to play to play, and all of a sudden you've got to get that focus because at any moment, Texas can open it up downfield with Burt, with Jared Hurd, and that's really going to be a key is, is can they do it later in the drives? You know, you obviously early in the drive, you're going to have your wind, you're going to have your, you know, your, your spring and your step, but later in the drive and in the third quarter, into the fourth quarter after they've, tested it because they're going to go after it. I think they're going to go after Kalon. I think they're going to go after Nick Needham early and often. Texas would love to probably jump out in this game, you know, with their passing game and be able to just pound it out with, with Foreman and Chris Warren. So if UTEP is able to, to stop that early and often and, and 
force Texas to kind of run the ball on them in a sense, instead of just taking shots with these athletes on the outside, that's going to be a key. And I think these guys can do it. But like I said, for how long, we haven't seen them. We haven't seen the UTEP secondary or UTEP corners play that complete four-quarter smashing off football. And we saw it against New Mexico State. But this ain't New Mexico State, bro. That's lining up on the opposite side. I guarantee you that. So that's going to be that, – that's, that's my biggest thing. When you go down a little bit on that write-up, when I looked at the key matchups, you know, to see is we've ta- we've hyped up Kalon Beverly since you know since he signed with us, and I think this is a guy that can really really play possibly at the next level. This is that test. To, I mean, obviously, just a sophomore, he's going to have a lot more to go. But if he's on that trajectory, which he should be, as much as he played last year, this is going to test it. And I'm excited to see Kalon Beverly go up on John Burt. You know, obviously, as a fan, you're worried about it, but I'm excited to see him go up against this type of talent because Kalon Beverly should be going up against his talent every type of week of what type of player that he is. No doubt about it. Running him down this week, not called the keys of the game, but called rightfully so the five things we want to see you tip execute. Yeah, hey, hey, we keep it hey. real at the rush, bro. We keep it bro, real. We, we got to be honest. We got to be honest. I mean, yeah. this is a game. You're going in. You know, you're not going to just chalk it up as a loss, but you're – not necessarily expecting to win the game, but you do want to see them improve on it on some areas and, and you want to stay healthy. That's the main thing. But exactly. you know, I going down that in there, control the clock. <laughs> <laughs> control the clock, no negative yards in the uh, in the run game. Open field tackling has to be huge. We touched on that a little bit. Uh utilize play action more often. Don't get beat deep and take care of the ball. I think that speaks for itself. One thing that that I wanna say that's my one of my keys to see you a tip execute is uh, <laughs> physicality, physicality. Yeah. I talked about it in, with the secondary against New Mexico State. They have to come out and do the same thing against Texas. If you want to play on the same field as this team, because think about it, this, you can call it overconfidence or whatever you want to call it. UT feels that, that UTEP does not even belong on the same field as them. And that's the bottom line. Every single one of those players that plays for Texas across that board, in fact, they're probably telling them that in the locker room, that you need to yeah. go out there and just beat these guys down, beat them off the line, you know, be more physical than them, you know, because you are, because you are bigger, because you are better, whether they are or not. But they're, 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 this is what they preach is what they believe, in my opinion. So you got to go out there and you got to show them that you belong on that field. You know, that, that first whistle goes – you need to hit big. You need to hit hard. You need to come in there and separate a few passes. These guys want to pass over the middle, whatever it is. You know, get some hits in there where these guys feel you and see, oh, these guys are for real, you know? That's my biggest key early on. If you want to stay in this game, be physical with these guys. Get out there and show them that you belong on this stage because if you don't, you're going to get run out of town. What do you think? Hell yeah, and especially with the Sean Cougar team, a Sean Cougar program that's preaching this stuff. And, and, you know, we saw it against Arkansas last year where we dished out some hits and all took them. And then before, you know, you know, everything broke down with Aaron Jones going out in Texas Tech, you saw the same thing there. So I think that's, you know, not only because of your playing Texas, but because that's what UTEP wants to be. And why not to be able to prove that against a team like Texas and being that physical smash mouth, because that not only sends a message to the team across across the field, but that sends a big time message to those people that you're going to be playing later in the year in your conference. And, and they, people know UTEP now that follows Conference USA about that physicality. So when you're able to do that against a team like Texas, that really kind of says something about your program and, and, and when you know, you've arrived. And I think that's really what's going to be a key, you know, the physicality. And just to answer, 
just run down a couple of questions. I know y'all uh, here on the comment thread asked a couple of questions. I'll knock these out real quick for y'all. Uh, Jay Villa, 10 to 8, 5. Shout out to him for dropping this one. What is left with status? Is he redshirting or done with football? He's definitely redshirting. I don't know if he's done with football at all. I can't really tell you that. He's still been involved with the day-to-day football activities, um, but he definitely has a pretty serious injury, a shoulder injury that could this is not reporting it or nothing, but could end his year just because of how serious it was from what I've heard around the program. But he's definitely still around as receiver or still around uh, the program as the quarterback. And then he asked about uh, Kavika Johnson, who we kind of touched on. Should he be changed uh, to a wide receiver? You know, he has an understanding of the offense, like, like uh, Jake Savia says. So, you know, I think you got to keep him at quarterback right now. You know, in the next couple of seasons, you're going to have uh, Alex Fernandez come in there. So it's possible, you know, obviously they're still recruiting some quarterbacks, so it's possible down the line. But in the 2016 season, I think you definitely got to keep Kavika in that quarterback. But that's possible to be able to move him to receiver full-time in a couple of years with some guys graduating, Jaquan White, uh, Cole Freitag comes to mind right off the bat. So that's, that's a, a big possibility to move him there permanently, but down the road. I don't think this year, maybe when you get a guy like Alex Fernandez to come in. And uh, Kid Miner drops his good one here on the question that I was really asking too. What are the chances Kevin Dove makes his debut on Saturday? I think you will see Dove. I want to see more of Darren LaFossa, honestly, before you know we see Kevin Dove. Kevin Dove it can really help us definitely in the Conference USA schedule. But when you got a guy like Darren LaFossa who didn't get a carry, that we were talking about earlier, I wanted to drop that in. I was kind of interesting that we didn't see LaFossa. I mean, yeah, of course, Kevin Dove had a great spring, and we really wanted to see him, what he could do, a 250-pound freshman running back. But, you know, I think that he could definitely use a red shirt this year. And then, you know, you got a guy like LaFossa that can really, really be that kind of short yardage down. So I think I think it's a slight chance that we see Kevin Dove. Maybe if the game gets out of hand and that's going to show that, yeah, okay, he's going to progress in there. But if we don't see Kevin Dove this game, especially if the game gets out of hand, I think you might looking at a red shirt for him. And then one more off of Twitter from at Spider31200, David Ramos. A uh, really good question. A lot of people have been asking this question about Big Chris, Miss Safalia. Um, he's actually on the third team right now as a defensive, uh, the offensive tackle. Has it, he's already used his red shirt, so he's a sophomore. And, you know, David brought up a good point here about moving him over to nose guard. You t- might have to do that. You know, it, it, they, we talked about how they weren't getting that pressure with that three-man front. Gino Breslin kind of struggled a little bit. That could be a possibility because you have a big guy like that, a 6'7", 355-pound guy. It's hard to keep him on the sideline. So appreciate y'all's questions here on the Rush Podcast. Send those in every week, and we'll try to answer them the best to our ability. But let's move on to the conference, <laughs> wrap things up here. Conference USA power rankings. I mean, I don't think there was a surprise. And overall, my thoughts on the Conference USA weekend, I thought it was a pretty solid weekend for the teams that, are, that we feel are contenders. What do you feel about that statement? No doubt about it. I mean, especially starting out on the top of Western Kentucky, who got less first place votes than I would imagine. I mean, I realize that Southern Miss beat Kentucky on the road, but it is Kentucky. Um, but, you know, Western Kentucky comes out and just completely dominates Rice, which I guess we have to wait and see exactly how good Rice is. But Western Kentucky is that as advertised on both sides of the football. You know, in my opinion, they are the class of the league and, and they're there to take the East. So, I mean, we'll see what happens with that. But, you know, top two, West Kentucky, Southern Miss, I don't think there's any question. Um, yeah. In my opinion, I, I'm not sure about Middle Tennessee yet. 
I know this is the team you're high on, but what do you what what do you take away from a fifty five zero win over Alabama and M? I, I don't I just I take the first half where I think Stockstill would just put up a video game numbers, you know, and then that was really what I took away of that because yeah, you can't really get much of that, but we're gonna find out a lot about this team playing Vanderbilt, who you know I still think Vanderbilt definitely one of the bottom tier teams of sure. the SEC, and this is a rival for Middle Tennessee. So if Middle Tennessee can can obviously we know they're going to put up points, but if they can hold Vanderbilt into a th- 21 to 31 point range, I'll be impressed. I'll be fully impressed. I'm already impressed with their offense, but I have questions about their defense. And I think that game in terms of how easy it is for a team to score as generic of a take that sounds, but that's really going to be a key. Cause I really think there's their weakness is on defense, but we'll find out a lot about them because it's hard to take away anything from a 55, nothing drubbing where they just totally shut down Alabama A&M. No doubt about it. And uh, Vanderbilt coming off a 13, 10 loss at home to South Carolina, South Carolina right, yeah. definitely one of the bottom feeders in the in the SEC. I actually kind of wanted to take a look at last year's team just to get an idea, because as far as I remember, they're definitely not a high scoring team. Um, West no. Kentucky, they lost fourteen to twelve. They lost. They only scored fourteen against Georgia, uh, forty seven against Austin P, sixteen, seventeen, ten, ten. Uh, yeah, I mean, this isn't a team that scores a lot of points, so. This could potentially be a chance for Conference USA to go in and steal another win in SEC country. We'll see. I would think that overall, as a, as a history, uh, it, Vanderbilt may be a step up historically from Kentucky, maybe. I don't know, at right. least recently. Um, but still, uh, I guess we'll just have to, to, to wait and see exactly how Middle Tennessee performs on that stage before – putting them in the conversation for, you know, top of the class, top of the league, you know, real, real true conference contender. Cause obviously somebody out there is giving them a first place vote for me, maybe just a bit early to, to put them on that level. Yeah. Louisiana tech comes in at number four. Um, they lost, you know, in a game that we both felt, I, I, I mean, I think we both felt that Louisiana tech was going to have a down game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we really, we thought this was going to be a down year for, for La tech um, and they go in to Fayetteville and honestly probably should have beat Arkansas. Yeah, uh, you talked to the Law Tech fans. I saw a couple on Twitter that were complaining about calls and home cooking and whatnot. Uh, you know, I, I don't know either way, but that was a game that Law Tech had opportunities, and if I'm not mistaken, it was a missed extra point. Is that right? Or yeah, two field goals. No, no, I don't think it was. I think they kicked two field goals in that game, but their defense was just outstanding. I mean, they were just. I, I don't know exactly. I know I watched two of them force two interceptions that were, you know, bad throw, great defensive plays. But, I mean, that's going to be – I think that's going to be their calling card this year is defensively. Their quarterback, uh, you know, I don't remember his name on the top of my head, but he looks pretty athletic. He looks very tall. He missed on a couple of throws. But I think their defense is going to be nasty this year. You know, they got a lot of talent returning in that secondary. And last year, their front seven, they had some very good studs. I'm thinking those guys behind those senior studs that, that are now, you know, they were NFL prospects last year. Now these guys, these younger guys are getting a chance for La Tech, and I think their defense is definitely going to carry into conference USA play. I don't know um, what the exact situation is with La Tech, because I know that they have, uh, I believe his name is Jamar. Let me see. Yeah, Jam- yeah there you go. Jam- That's the guy. Jamar or Jamar Smith. Jamar um, Smith was a starter. The thing about him is that uh, he was actually pen- penciled in as the backup in preseason. 
And that's um, when Ryan Higgins got caught up with that uh, DUI. Exactly. I think it was. Exactly. Uh, or no, was it? Was it Higgins? Is that his name? Yeah, Ryan Higgins. Yeah. Okay, so Ryan Higgins was supposed to be the starter. Had some issues. Jamar Smith comes in and uh, he he takes over. What do you see happening there? That, that's kind of an interesting dynamic because you got a guy that comes in in you know some of the one of the toughest places to play SEC country Arkansas uh, storied program you know 19 to 31 212 yards no touchdowns but only one interception I mean pretty good performance and nearly led them back to a win before getting injured at the end of it so playing on do you have you heard anything about that or what do you, what's your take yeah on that? I I think I think Ryan Higgins that's his job he's a guy that that he was their starting quarterback when when La Tech came into Conference USA in 2013 and we talked about you know, the two transfers, the two power five transfers, Jeff Driscoll, obviously the, the most recent one. I think, you know, this is kind of Ryan Higgins' year. Supposed to be, he was supposed to be the starter before he got caught up in that. And I think I saw a couple of tweets that said that confirmed he got everything cleared up, I guess, and now he's going to be returning. So I think this is definitely his job. I mean, Smith is, I think he was a three-star guy now that you mentioned his name. I think he was a three-star, highly touted, you know, recruiting. La Tech's put together some really good recruiting classes. And I think you'll see him eventually, but I think Ryan Higgins, as soon as he's cleared with all his legal jargon, if he hasn't been already, like I said, I saw some type of tweet kind of hinting at that. So I think Ryan Higgins uh, – basically, we're going to see Ryan Higgins uh, when Utah goes in a lot take in a couple of weeks. That's what I think. Quick, before we move on, it was actually two missed field goals that LaTeX had. I believe one of them was like a 34-yarder, and the other one was like around 50, if I'm not mistaken. But two missed field goals for Jonathan Barnes, the Louisiana Tech kicker, was actually what Ooh, was the he's difference. Been solid. He's a veteran guy, too, Jonathan Barnes. Interesting. Interesting. And, and I'm pretty sure that 34-yarder was from straight on, man. So that's a, that's a tough loss for a lot of LaTeX fans to take. That could have been another big win for the conference and for Louisiana Tech. Either way, they're definitely one to look out for. We thought they might have a down year, and that may not be the case after their week one performance. If they can continue like that, this is a team to look out for in Conference USA. Marshall comes in at number five. Um, I believe they were num- number five last week, or were they a little higher? They were third, they were right? tied, tied for third. third. Yeah, they were tied for third with, with uh, Middle Tennessee. Had a bye week now coming up against Morgan State. I don't know what to say about this team just yet. I mean, it's Marshall. You expect them to be up well, there. So, I mean, I guess we'll, we'll just have to wait out. and see. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I think they're going to be great. The question is always going to be about Marshall's defense, and they lost one of their one of their big time NFL prospects' safety got caught up with drugs and Xanax and pistols and all sorts of shit. And that's I think that's a big loss for for Marshall's secondary, and that's going to be a question. But I, I think they just roll Morgan State. Uh, was it Chase Litton, their quarterback? I, I I guess I I don't want to say a full man crush, but I'm checking them out. I'm checking them out. <laughs> UTEP comes in at number six, 129 votes uh, or 129 points. Um, I guess that's kind of like the, the maybe the second tier of the, of the league, if you will. Old yeah, Dominion maybe yeah. is knocking on the door. Um, Old Dominion comes in at number seven, 90, 90 votes, or I keep saying votes, 90 total points. Uh, 1-0, they knocked off Hampton this past week in 54-21. They've got App State who's now a part of the Sun Belt. Were they, they weren't in the Sun Belt last year, right? This is their first year, or am I mistaken on that? No, I think they, were, they were in there last year. I think they were in there last year, if I remember okay, right. Okay, so this is year two. That's going to be a tough That's going to be a tough one test. to look out for. Um, they're a team that took – and I'm sure you all watched it. They're a team that took Tennessee down to the wire in opening night, college football last week. Um, and honestly, App State should have beat Tennessee. In yeah. fact, that was the game that uh, 
was definitely decided by a missed extra point that gave Tennessee the opportunity to come back and tie that game and, uh, and went into overtime. But App State, they've had some history of upsetting teams, and not that Old Dominion is an upset, but, you know, that's definitely one to look out for for Old Dominion. They come in with a 54, you know, they put up 54 points on offense, going to be tough to do that against a team that only allowed 13 to Tennessee on the road last week. Oh, and App State's been one of the top. I, I When I vote in this group of five, you know, I, I kind of like Sunbelt teams, honestly. I don't have any respect for the Sunbelt. I'm not scared to say that. At me, do whatever you need to do. But I, I think that App State has been a very, very consistent team that I'm definitely going to start paying attention to. And I throw them some love in this week's vote. Probably the first time I think I've ever voted a uh, uh, a, a Sunbelt team and they had to wash my hands after I did it. But either way, you know, that's going to be a tough game for Old Dominion. That's And you mentioned the, the tiers. If Old Dominion, I don't even think if Old Dominion goes in there and beats App State, if Old Dominion can go up there and give App State hell, they're definitely locked into that second tier of Conference USA because I think they have a lot of talent offensively and I've always loved what their coach is pushing in terms of their program. And they've been maybe not a major winning program, but this is a, an upstart program that hasn't had very many down seasons. They have a culture there. So that's going to be a game I'm definitely going to be inter- uh, interested to watch. Might even record that one just to – in case it's a close game, watch how that one unfolds. Florida International comes in oh, – I'm sorry, Florida Atlantic comes in at number eight. They're coming off a uh, 38-30 win – over Southern Illinois, little typo there in the in the yeah, rankings. They don't play Southern Illinois in back-to-back weeks. Um, they're actually going to be playing at number 25, Miami, this week. Miami. So that'll be a, a, a big game for, for Florida Atlantic to kind of get their feet set, see how they can perform on a big stage. Rice comes in at number nine, coming off the 49-16, 46-16 drubbing. They got Army. You know, that's something to look out for for, for UTEP. We're going to be taking on Army, is it next week or two weeks? Uh, two weeks, two weeks. Oh, no, next two week, weeks. next week. My bad. It's yeah, next week, right? Next week. We're going to be taking on next Army week. next week. So that's one that, that minor fans should be watching. You know, that's a CBS Sports Network game. So I'm going to keep an eye on to see how well Rice is able to defend that run and see what Army does to them. If Army goes out and, and, and hands one to Rice, it's going to be a little uh, scary coming into the Sun Bowl next weekend. You got any thoughts on that one? Yeah, that's – I mean, I honestly think Army's going to smash. I mean, Rice is struggling, man. I watched that game – Yes, I watched the whole entire 46 to 16 ass whipping. And, man, I mean, they're trying to do this up-tempo type of deal, and it's just not working. They don't – their quarterback is very inaccurate, and they still have the same deal that they had last year in the secondary with giving up big plays and just getting pushed around up front. And I think Rice is – it's kind of weird to say that because two years ago they were the crown – they were conference champs, and, you know, they have a really good recruiting class this year uh, as far as commits for their 2017 but I think Rice is going to have a rough, rough year, and I think Army is going to really, really expose them, not only with that triple option, but I think, you know, defensively, how physical I saw Army play Temple, you know, Temple's what I think is was an explosive offense. You know, that's going to be a key, and I think that could be another ugly game for the Rice Owls that they have on their hands because that's, you know, the Army's going to control the clock. Rice may not see the football if they can't stop that run. Florida International comes in at intense. They're 0-1 after a 34-13 loss to Indiana. They've got Maryland this week, also on CBS Sports. That's actually tonight, is that correct? 
That's tomorrow. My bad. I I'm, and I was on some different level when I was doing this this week, folks. So. <laughs> but UTSA you know that, comes that in at eleven. Uh, they squeak by Alabama State, twenty-six thirteen. They've got Colorado State on the road. That's going to be one to look out for if you're a UTSA fan. It'll be a tough one. Uh, North Texas, number twelve. They lost thirty-four twenty-one to SMU. They've got Bethune Cookman and Charlotte. Talk about struggling, man. Charlotte down there, only nineteen total points. Zero and one. 70 to 14 against Louisville. That that was actually uh, like 56 to zero at half or something like that. Yeah, when we saw we were we kind of both almost shit our pants when we saw that. <laughs> <laughs> that All right, big game to look out for. Big game to look out for. I'm not calling an upset by any means, but Western Kentucky at Alabama, number one Alabama. Is this a chance? Is this a chance for Conference USA to get their name on the map? If if that if that was a Kentucky quarterback is as good as he was against Rice, I, I would bet so. But like I mentioned, Rice has some struggles in the secondary, and Alabama is Alabama. That's all you got to say about that one. But you know, I, I think Alabama is just too physical. I think for Western Kentucky, I, I think they're just way too physical for Western Kentucky, and I think that's going to be a difference because Western Kentucky has speed, they have great weapons. Taiwan Taylor comes to mind, another receiver that had a big game. I uh, can't think of his name, but I think just Alabama's physicality is going to wear down on Western Kentucky. But wouldn't be surprised to see them jump out to an early lead using some of that speed. And, I mean, that quarterback, Mike White, was pretty impressive, but can he do it again against the top dog of college football right now, in my opinion? Well, folks, there you have it. Another episode of the Rush Podcast in the books. The eve of the eve of the UT-UTEP <laughs> UT, game this Saturday in Austin. Kickoff in that one is 5 p.m. Mountain Time. Is that correct? Yes, sir. 5.05 p.m. Mountain Time kickoff. That's on the Longhorn Network and Watch ESPN. The line currently at 29.5, favoring UTEP, of course. Just kidding. <laughs> favoring Texas <laughs> over under set at 59 for all the gamblers out there. Um, make sure to stay tuned. Uh, at SBN Minor Rush on Twitter, SBN Minor Rush at gmail.com if you want to get in touch with us for anything. Of course, you can always go to minorrush.com and uh, get on the comment thread and get all your comments in and conversation with the other UTEP fans. Make sure to follow Alex on what is it? What's your Instagram again, man? Tell me what your Instagram is. Papi Chulo915 for live homes. <laughs> 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 Hope y'all enjoyed it. We'll see y'all Check next out week. Alex, have fun. Be safe. Don't get too crazy out there in Austin on Sixth Street, man. Shoot, you I can't I can't promise nothing, but I'll be back on Monday. <laughs> there you guys have it. We'll see y'all next week. We're out.